0: Like Jade was talking about, oftentimes Christmas season, um, I just feel like it really heightens uh, the reality that as humans, as a whole, like humans are just on a quest for peace. Um, And I think the Christmas season like heightens this all the more. Like there's like a, a felt need, just like I need peace. And I've been thinking about this in my own life. I almost feel like every decision that we make as people from the the, the decisions that cost us temporarily but actually give us peace in the future, or we compromise and we make decisions now so we can have present peace. But I would say every single decision we make as people is to find an ultimate place where we can get ultimate peace. And so Christmas, this is true. Our whole society, we're looking for for peace. We're looking for a peaceful society. This is what politics are all about and just what our society is aiming at. We're just trying to find that place of peace. Uh, Many of you are coming in the room tonight and you're longing for peace as well. You're looking for peace in your singleness like there's a there's a reality of like following Jesus and being single, and this season just heightens your singleness. And there's a peace that you're looking for in that season. Some of you in this season, there's a, like family dynamics just get way more complicated at Christmas. It's like cause this is the one time of year they like cannot be this way. And it always is, but like we're looking for peace in our family. Just who's gonna heal these relationships? Uh, we're looking for peace in our loss. Oftentimes, this time of year reminds us of. Like, oh man, I really thought this person would be here in this time of the year, and they're not. So this season heightens that, and we are looking for peace in that. We're looking for peace in our minds, in our bodies. Humans are on a quest for peace. And so as I was thinking about just this need for peace, it was really weird. I was on a prayer walk, and I was talking to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to talk to them about tonight? I have one message, an Advent message, talking about the arrival of Christ, Christmas, And he goes, I want you to talk to them about worship. And I was like, what does that have to do with peace? And I felt like what God was telling me is the pathway to peace is proper worship. He goes, if you just talk about peace without talking about what's at the center of our hearts as humans, you'll never actually get to what real peace is. But the problem is, you don't get right worship without listening to the right voice. So many of us are intaking voices all throughout our day. I was actually thinking about the problem of just how many voices we as people in the modern West, and especially in Christmas time, we are just taking in so much information and content and voices, and I was talking to my wife the other day, I'm like, sometimes I just feel like between emails, text messages, like noise, podcasts, church stuff, friend stuff, all this stuff, and you're just like, I just want peace and quiet, because there's so many voices out there. Um, I, I was reading some stuff in, uh, online. So the average American on a daily basis, check this out, takes in 100,000 words every single day. At the, every single day, you intake 100,000 words, if not even more. And to put that, in, to in, to put that into perspective, J.R.R. Tolkien's book, The Hobbit. Anybody have to read The Hobbit? Connor, you had to have read The Hobbit. You're like a big Lord of the Rings fan. Did you not? Part of it, that was like the one book I read in school. So The Hobbit, to put it in perspective, The Hobbit has 95,000 words. So you take in a Hobbit-sized book every single day, if not more. Um, humans take in 34 gigabytes of information. Like we absorb into who we are, Every 34 gigabytes. My phone holds like 64, so like in two days, you take in an iPhone worth of just information. But we're constantly hearing voices, are we not? hearing voices through social media, screens, music, videos, podcasts, news, and other people. And the experts are talking about it. It's interesting because they're talking about it as like a cultural crisis. Like there are so many inputs going into the human mind and the human life that experts are saying it's creating a crisis in society right now that's affecting all of us in devastating ways. So even if you're not a Christian in the room, you follow Jesus or not, they're saying If somebody is not able on a daily basis to manage the amount of voices, words, and inputs they intake on a daily basis, it's leading our society into a few things, and I'll just share four of them of the many that they were talking about. First, um, it's causing us as humans to be paralyzed and fatigued in our decision-making. Have you ever noticed that? Like, there's just so much information, so much, quote, wisdom, there's so much stuff, like, I just feel like I'm a person that's, like, paralyzed in my decision-making, uh, that happens all over the place. They're talking about how it's leading us to a place where we're actually emotionally drained as people because we're constantly taking in these voices. We get emotionally drained, and we get like bloated with information. And what's happening is it's causing us to be like, less productive as a society. We're having more information, more stuff, but we're emotionally drained, and it's causing a decrease in productivity. But here's where it starts to turn. Like that's all maybe like superficial, like top shelf stuff. They're saying because of, the, because of the amount of voices you intake on a daily basis, what starts to happen is worry and fear, a lack of peace, starts to increase and then starts to characterize your life. I don't think it's a coincidence that the more information, the more voices that we are taking in as as humans, then you look out in society and it's like worry and fear and unrest starts to characterize us. And they said it ultimately leads us to a place of complete unhappiness. Can you guys relate to that at all? Here's the thing. That's just talking about people. What do you think that has? What type of effect do you think that has on us as Christians? We're trying to follow Jesus. I found this quote, uh, Adele Cajun, and it's a longer quote, but I think it, points, uh, it makes the point. She says, Every part of our lives is inundated with words. Urgent words, random words, trivial words, hurtful words, words with friends. That was the worst game ever. Managing words, religious words, and on and on. Who liked words with Friends. Jade's all about it. So Jade and Jeff, you guys can play words with friends. Um, anyway, so it says, uh, in the midst of so many words, it becomes difficult to know which messages are really important and which ones we need to remember. And it says this, to get through the flood of words, we develop skills like skimming and scanning. We look for bullet points and bold print. We ask for summaries. And here we go. We urge people to be brief and cut to the chase. You ever know that? You sit down with somebody and because they're just, you're just like, can you just get to the chase? Can you, like you're talking way too much starting to affect our love for people as Christians. And then it says, and when we think they aren't saying anything significant, we simply block out their words and t- to attend to our own internal flood of words. Your words aren't important, so I'll just return to my own internal flood of words. And it says, this habit extends to our relationship with God. We want pithy, memorable sermons. We want more religious words to chew on. The trouble is there are so many other things we are trying to remember that the sermon evaporates by the time we get to the parking lot, which is really good news for my talk tonight. But the, what, what she's saying is the point is, is as, a, as a society, as a people, we are drowning in words. And for us as Christians, here's what's happening. It's creating, it, it's creating and it's reinforcing a spiritual and emotional deficit in our lives. We're trying to follow Jesus. All these words are coming out of us. Most of these words that coming out us, all of these voices aren't God's voice, and what's happening, it's creating a, sp- a spiritual and emotional deficit. And here's what I mean. One, what happens is, in the midst of all those words, we have no space to hear God's voice. You're intaking, you're intaking, you're intaking your, your own mind, and then you have zero, very little space to actually hear God's voice. How are you supposed to hear God's voice if you don't actually pull out of that? And then st- secondly and this is where it starts to get personal for me, we start to believe the lie that just because we're hearing a bunch of words or we know a lot of things or we read a lot of the Bible or we hear, or you know, we, we hear, we hear, we hear, we take in, we start to believe that information is transformation. We start to believe that 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 spiritual transformation is found, but if I can just intake more information, and I'm telling you, this has happened in my own life, and many of you, I see it all the time because it, it plays out, as people interact with me, I used to be this way. It's like if I can just get the right sermon, more sermons, if I can just have more podcasts, if I can just learn more and intake more, and more if I can just have this same conversation with 10 people, I will get the, like, the right information that I need to be freed from this lack of peace. And the result of all of that on people and on me, and I'll just be honest. I noticed probably two years ago in my life, inundated with words, voices, trying to follow Jesus, starting to believe that information is transformation. I have no space to hear God's voice. Here's what happens I became somebody who was well decorated on the outside, but fragile and insecure on the inside. Can any of you resonate with that? Like you're, like you're known as somebody who's godly. You're like, you're looked up to somebody who like knows things. Or maybe you're not a Christian at all, but you're just like, you just feel like there's maybe people that look on you at the outside. You look strong, but inside you just go, I'm fragile and insecure. And then it started to hit a crisis in my life probably two years ago where I was like, I know all the stuff. I know all the answers. And I don't mean that in a prideful sense, but I'm like, I, I know the verses and I'm like, I am fragile on the inside. I have no peace. The point of saying all of this is what I want to talk about tonight and what I think Jesus wants to talk about is that as Christians, in this season especially, we need space and we need to cut out voices so that we can listen to the one voice that actually matters in our life. Guys, there is one voice. If you're a Christian, there is ultimately one voice that matters in your life. And the celebration of Advent and the arrival of Christ is saying that God in Christ has arrived into our world, which means the weightiest voice of all voices has arrived into our world and has started speaking. And what we're going to see in tonight's passage is God is asking us, Are you listening? Are you listening? So if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 95. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow us on the screen. If you do have your Bible or an app with you, like YouVersion, I'm going to be in the NIV version. And tonight, ultimately, what I want to talk to you about, uh, if I were just kind of to summarize it, is that there is a deep connection between the voice that you listen to in your life or the voices that you listen to, the worship you give, and the rest or unrest you will receive. We're going to see it in this passage that the voices you listen to ultimately will lead you to the king or God that you worship. And the king or God that you worship and that you bow down to in your life will ultimately deliver you either fake peace or real peace. And so I want to, us to zone in on worship. And God's going to ask us, like, what's at the center of our hearts and what is it producing in our lives? And we're going to see this in Psalm 95. So um, Psalm 95, we'll read the first uh, seven verses. Uh, so, Harley, yeah, so here it is. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God. He is the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to To him, The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And the next verse goes on to say this, Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts worship, voice, and peace. All right, there's this, uh, there's this circumstance and reality that plays out in my life all the time, and I know you guys are going to understand it when I get it. Have you ever given advice to somebody in your life? Have you ever given advice to somebody and then they didn't receive it? Of course. <laughs> I, was like, yeah, I was like, I just did it today, <laughs> you know? But yes, yeah, so we all have given advice to somebody and they haven't received it. Okay, check this out. Have you ever given advice to somebody, they didn't receive it, and then that person went to somebody in their life that they respected more than you, and they gave the exact same advice that you did to them, and then they act like it was the greatest advice that was ever given? Isn't that, it's terrible. It's the story of your life. You must be given a lot of advice. (laughs) Um, But isn't it true? Here's the point of that. I think sometimes we think it's the content of the voice that matters, but one of the things that happens is it's not so much the content of the voice that's speaking, it's the weight of the voice that's speaking. So if you don't carry weight in your speaking, people won't hear it, even if you're exactly right. But if somebody in your life, and you know this because if you've been on the receiving end, if somebody in your life who carries weight, the biblical word would be glory, who carries a lot of weight and they say something to you, There's like a fear and a reverence to go, I get what you're going to say. And I'm going to follow you and I'm going to obey you because you have weight in my life. And there's the principle that we're going to work with tonight. That whoever has, in your life, guys listen to this and I just want you to think about this because this is really going to matter. Whoever has the weightiest word will have your weightiest worship. In your life, whoever has the weightiest word, that could be God, it could be not. You could call yourself a Christian and his voice has no weight. You could call yourself, you know, not a follower of Jesus and somebody else has a weight. But whoever, it doesn't matter who you are, a Christian or not, whoever has the weightiest word will have your weightiest worship. Every single one of us in this room, there is a voice that you fear. Like this psalm talks about. It talks about fearing, bowing down, submitting, love, cherishing. In your life, there is a voice that you fear that you bow down to, that you submit to, that you love, that you cherish, that you value, the biblical language would say there's a voice that you worship. And when I talk about worship, I know for many of you in the room, if you're a Christian, you go, okay, I've heard this worship thing already. I just wanted you to listen for like a fresh second tonight. But for those of you who are not religious in the room, one of the things that I want you to know that worship is not just a religious thing. Worship is a human thing. Worship is not just a religious thing that Christians do. Worship, true worship, what we're going to talk about tonight, is a human thing. Uh, Adele Calhoun, who I just quoted earlier, she says this, and this is my last quote tonight, but she really captures the heart of what biblical worship is. She says this, "...worship is a word most often associated with a religion." But worship can be found in the lives of secularists, agnostics, and even atheists. Whether you like God or hate God, we all worship. The simple truth is that everybody looks to something or someone to give their lives meaning. Worship reveals the somethings or someones we value most. What we love and adore and focus on forms us into the people that we become. We'll talk about that later Some of us highly value our independence. Others pour out time and energy into totems of power, approval, success, control, or happiness. We may not consider our obsession with these things acts of worship, but they are. They are what we look to to get us up in the morning, which I would just love to ask you, like what do you you think about when you wake up in the morning? And they keep us going throughout the day. True worship does not equal going to church on Sunday. True worship of God happens when we put God first in our lives. And I love this. When, God says, when what God says matters more than what others say. And when loving God matters more than being loved. Discipline, willpower, giftedness, and going to church can be good things, but they do not guarantee transformation. Transformation comes through valuing God above all else, And then here's the part of the quote that I really wanted to get to that absolutely haunted my heart. Jesus knew people could do the same things he did. Pause. Miracles. Casting out demons. Raising people from the dead. Jesus knew people could do the same things he did. They could heal and perform miracles and preach, but that did not mean they loved and worshipped God. Because in the biblical language in the, in the mind of Jesus, for every single person in the room, there is a center t- to your heart and to your life. Right now in your life, there is, the, there is a center to your life. There is something or someone in your life right now that you are organizing everything around. There is something that you're serving with your inmost being. There is something that you are sacrificing every other part of your life in order to possess this thing or to protect this thing. And the point is, whatever that thing is, Here's the key. is the thing that is the most weighty in your life and is getting the most worship in your life. There's something that you're coming before, bowing before, and rejoicing before. Something that you worship. Now, I'm not going to um, talk about this and not be transparent with you guys. Whatever, When we talk about worship here, listen, we can talk about anything. We can talk about money, success, security, comfort, Maybe getting out of singleness into marriage, that could be the operating center of your life. We could be talking about a career. We could be talking about anything. But whatever that thing is in your life, it carries a ton of weight. And for example, I was uh, one of the things that I have struggled with my whole life and I can be honest with you guys, is I have, I have always struggled from a young age with human approval and insecurity, and God has grown me, and I'm not the same man I, was, I am today as I was last year and the year before, and I am growing and growing, and I'm going so much in the Lord in this area. But it's something that is always there in my life. It's like the flinch of it is always there. And uh, even this, uh, in the last kind of week or so, I was in a meeting, um, I was in a conversation, and I was in a conversation with like five people, And uh, have you ever been in a conversation with people where you have the weakest voice and, like, you carry the least amount of power? Like, there's five people there, but it was a conversation between four of them, and you're just, like, there, like, you know? And so I was in a conversation like that, and there's, like, you know, there's a lot of uh, weight to these people and these voices in the room. And I remember when I was sitting there, I was, like, I remember going through my mind, I'm, like, if they asked me this question, how would I respond? If they asked me that question, how would I respond? How would they want to, under, how would they, what would they want me to say if they asked that question? And I, what I started to realize when I was in that meeting is God says, hey, you know how, like, I am the weightiest thing ever? And he's like, and you're in this room, and, and you, there's like a fear in you that is more real and tangible than the, the one you have towards me. And as I was sitting there and as I was wrestling with this, I just started to realize it is so easy, whether it's human approval or whether it's money or security, where that thing has your heart. That position has your heart. That place has your heart. That person has your heart. Because we take good things and we make them God things. And so as I was sitting there, God was saying to me, you know the type of weight that these people carry in your life? He goes, I want that weight in your life. I want that weight in your life. And so I think that's what this, uh, this passage is talking about. Um, I, do you notice uh, all throughout this, I love it, because it says, let us sing, let us shout, let us come before, and then it has in verse three and in verse seven, the key where it says, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. So it's like this beautiful picture, it's so poetic, it's like God is powerful, and this passage is calling us to worship the king of power and the king of peace. And, and the problem is, here's the thing. Many of us know that God wants his voice to have a weighty influence in our life, but it just doesn't. So how, the, here's the problem. How do we cultivate a weightiness of God? How does God's voice have weight in our life when we don't feel like it does? When it's like that thing or that person or that idea that actually carries the most thing. When I actually, like how do you cultivate a life to go I actually feel and come before God and go you are the great king above all gods. Where even the thought of coming to like to pray before him like puts you on your knees. How do you do that when you're just walking through life and there's voices and voices and voices and those start to capture your heart? And so I was was thinking about this and I would just share with you this is how it's happened for me. I went to a um, one of the things that I have to do in my life is have a practice of cultivating, I would say, an awe for the weight of God in my life. Like when, I, when I'm at a place of insecurity or lacking peace or concern or whether it be finances, relational, or without the person's comment, I literally will go outside. And one of the things that I love to do is when I pray, I like to go outside and I just like to look around outside. And I like gaze towards the sky and I'm just trying to like take in like how big God, God is Cause I'm like, if I don't have an awe for how big and powerful God is, I just won't like, I won't listen to Him. I won't. He's, his if God doesn't have weight, then His promises seem nothing to me. But like, I have to cultivate this weight. And so I don't know how else to explain this except um, I remember when I went to uh, Portland like two, uh, maybe like two months ago, end of uh, whatever, a couple months ago, and. Uh, and I remember when I read Psalms like this, and you're like, okay, God created, you know, he's the great king. He, he created the mountaintops, and then, you know, he, he formed the dry land, and, you know, he created the sea. I get it. I'm supposed to worship him, and then we, like, go through services, and we, like, go home. It's like, oh, that's great, you know? And it's like this informational thing that we take in. And I remember when I was, this, this trip in particular, it just created, like, a freshness and just viewing who God was. And I remember, Harley, you can put some of these pictures, they're not that profound. But I remember when I was flying to Portland and you look out the window and I see that mountaintop. Harley, if you go back and you're like, that thing is amazing. And when you're flying next to it, you just see the power and the like the the beauty of this like mountain, this this volcano. I don't remember if this was Mount Hood or not, but this like like this is like a the power of this mountain, and then there was another picture where literally on top of this mountain, there was this huge lake, so I'm just like gazing, and I'm like, holy cow, God is huge, and then we go to the the, the coast, and so I'm walking through the forest, and uh, Harley, I'm walking through, I'm just looking at these trees, and I'm like, holy cow, this is like absolutely amazing, and I'm walking under there, like and this looks like it's photoshopped. It's not. Like, I'm literally walking in there, and like, these trees are hundreds of years old. And I'm peering up, and I'm like, God is so big. And then we go on, and I look at the seas. And for many of you, that just looks like a coast with some seas. But I'm looking, and I remember there was this moment. I was sitting there with uh, one of our other pastors named Sean Warren, and you could see, like, these seas were huge. They were just doing this, like, the whole time. Like, it was almost intimidating and scary. And I remember uh, that one of the pastors leaned over to me and he goes he goes, "Can you hear the concussion of the waves against the land?" Just boom. Boom, it's smashing into the land. And you're sitting in that. And so I'm walking with the Lord, I'm praying these things, I'm looking at his creation. I'm taking out all the other voices. The phone is in the car. And so I take moments like this and then I'm in my neighborhood and I'm walking. And I go, God created all of this stuff. And he just spoke it into existence. And I'm one human being of like 7 billion human beings on this planet. And I am of those 7 billion is of a whole human race that has existed before me and will exist after me. And I'm on one planet in a galaxy That is ridiculous. I read the other day that there's 170, an estimated 170 billion galaxies. And I'm sitting there and I go, and I'm walking with the Lord and I go, and that God loves me. That God loves me. And so when this passage says, God is the king of power, he's the great king above all kings, he created the oceans. He created the mountaintops. He created the beauty of the forest. He created, he is ruling all history. And then he goes, and he's your shepherd. Do you notice what that verse said? Look at it. it says, Come, that God, the Lord is the great, the great King above all gods. And then in verse seven it says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He, that God, is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And I remember when I was thinking through all of this, God told me, he's like, I have weight. That is weightier than any of the weight from the people or problems or things that you're struggling with in your life. My voice has weight, I'm telling you. Listen to me, trust me, and obey me. So another question that maybe comes out of this is, how do you know what, What voice has the most weight in your life? The first thing I would say is this, and I would ask you this question. What what do you make the most space for in your life? What do you make the most space for in your life? Because here's the thing. We make space and we clear schedules for the weighty things. To illustrate this, have you ever been hanging out with somebody? This is similar to the last thing that I was saying. Have you ever been hanging out with somebody who has... uh, less weight than you in your eyes and then somebody with more weight comes in the picture what do you do you leave the person you're with and you go to the person that has weight how many of you have been with the person that the weighty person came in the room and the person that was with you is like oh great talking with you and they go to that person it's because that person carried much more weight here's the thing hey you want to hang out friday no i'm so busy Hey, so the person with weight texts you. Hey, are you free Friday by any chance? Oh, I have no idea. Maybe I can just check my schedule, you know. But what you do, isn't it true? You make space for the weighty things and the weighty people in your life. Let me ask you this. How do you know what you worship? What do you make space for? Is it the king of power? Is it the king of peace? Or is it fill in the blank? Because the weighty things you make space for. The second thing that you can know about how, who you're worshiping is who are you becoming? So the first is, what do you make the most space for? And the second thing is, who are you becoming? Here's, what, here's the reality about worship, and it's all throughout the scriptures. Who, what you worship, you will become what you worship. Whatever you worship, you will ultimately become and take on. Because your deepest delight will determine, will determine your deepest devotion. In your life, whatever has your deepest delight will always determine your deepest devotion. Have you ever noticed when uh, um, when you have a friend or somebody and they are like you know really into you know the classic illustration is like I was really into a certain type of baseball player when I was younger. And when I was little, because like there's a, like a worshipness like that I had towards this person, they carried glory and weight. And I'm little league. What I would do when I get into the batter's box is I have his exact same batter stance. It's like his elbow is up, you know. He did the whole Barry Bonds thing, so of course I'm in the batter's box. But whatever you worship, you take on whatever you worship. Your way of life will always tell you what you're worshiping. Your way of life will always tell you what you're worshiping. And here's what here's how you know what you worship. If we worship a king of power and a king of peace, then not perfectly and not right away, but in your life you will be increasing in power and increasing in peace. If, if we as people, if we as gospel people are worshiping the king of power, we will be gradually increasing in power and increasing in peace. And when I say power, I'm talking about the power of God's kingdom, which manifests itself in the fruit of the Spirit. You are somebody who is increasing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because you are worshiping the king of power, who is love, joy, peace, patience, so on and so forth. You are worshiping the king of peace. Isaiah says he's the prince of peace. Are you increasing in peace or are you increasing in anxiety? And oftentimes, you can just tell right away, whatever you're increasing in at a given moment shows you what the true king and the true voice that you're listening to. Does that make sense? So worshiping the king of power, worshiping the king of peace, and then the psalm says this. So he talks about how God is the great king above all gods, that he's our shepherd, and and there's like a peacefulness to that. And then I love this, he goes, today, and I love, it doesn't say tomorrow, I'm not going to, like Al, Monday I'm going to start following Jesus. He goes, today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Um, this is more of a side note, but one of the things that I've learned in my life is that the weightiest voice of all voices is often a whispering voice. Uh, Our world is full of kings and people that think they are powerful and they are insecure about their lack of power. And so they yell, they're loud, trying to get large crowds, but the king of power and the king of peace, the weightiest voice, he whispers. So maybe in your life, if you're struggling to hear, if you go, if only you would hear his voice, like I don't hear his voice, I would say, where's the space to hear his whisper? But that's beside the point, let's go on. Uh, Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. Although they had seen and heard the voice of God, they've seen the powers, they've seen the ways that He's worked, they still tested His voice. That's a sermon. For forty days I was angry with that generation. I said, They are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways they do not listen to my voice so i declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest they shall never experience ultimate peace see at the end of this psalm here's what i want you to get there is an invitation of God that comes through a warning in this passage. Yes, it's a warning in this passage and God was talking to Israel at that time, his people. Uh, there was a generation of Israel and we won't go into the details of all of it but essentially they heard the voice of God and because they, they heard the voice of God and they, they failed to listen to his voice, they tested him, they failed to experience God's rest. But what I'm trying to ex- show you tonight is what the scriptures are saying is that if you hear the voice of God, And if you follow the voice of God, it will lead you to real peace. I was on a um, drive with my wife, and she's like, I've been thinking about this idea, uh, this reality of peace. And she goes, here's what I realized. The kings of this world, I'm gonna summarize what she said. She goes, the kings of this world, the things of this world, the stuff of this world, the fake promises of this world, they offer peace and they give peace, but it's fake peace. But Jesus offers real peace. And she goes, how do I know if I have God's peace or not? And I was like, how? She's like, if it can be stolen or not. Because real peace can't be stolen, fake peace can. Real peace cannot be stolen, fake peace can be stolen. And so what I want to just put before you tonight is that the things of this world, they speak loudly They deliver to you fake peace and they lead to ultimate unrest. That's what the scriptures are saying. But the invitation of tonight and the invitation of Jesus and his love, it says that Jesus, the king of kings, the king of power and the king of peace, he speaks quietly. He's whispering to you. Every single one of you in the room, he's whispering something to you in this season. And if you listen to his voice, he offers real peace that leads to ultimate rest, the type of rest that goes, things are not okay, but I'm okay because I'm with Jesus. And so the invitation, I just want to ask you tonight, what voice are you listening to in your life right now? Who has your weightiest voice? Who has your worship? And what peace are you experiencing? Real peace or fake peace? Because our weightiest word deserves our weightiest worship, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you, and we, uh, God, we thank you that you are the one with all power and authority in heaven and on earth, and yet at the same time, Lord, you are a shepherd, which means you are our kind, you are compassionate, you are tender, and Lord, I pray that... Um, Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would hear your voice. Lord, like the psalm says today, if only you would hear his voice. Lord, there's a begging there, there's a, there's a desperation, a plea. And so, Lord, I pray that you would plead our hearts to listen to your voice. Lord, I'm praying that for myself. And God, you, you lead us to, to green pastures and you lead us through the dark valley, but God, you do bring rest to us in the midst of pain. And so, Lord, I just want to pray for this community tonight, for those who are experiencing a deep unrest in their souls that they just cannot get rid of. Lord, I pray that you would be the king of power and the king of peace to that person and that you would uh, deliver and carry and bring to yourself this heart, Lord. And I pray that you would interject your love and your mercy and your grace, God. And I pray that dead parts of our hearts would rise to life with you I pray that the anxiety would turn to rest Lord and I pray that your voice would be the loudest, the strongest and the weightiest and so Jesus I, I pray also Lord this, this Christmas time um, Lord there are people and there are parts of our hearts that want to resist you and reject your voice And Lord, there is a warning from the scriptures, Lord, that we want to be humbly aware of, Lord, that we would not refuse the one who speaks and fail to miss the ultimate rest of God and the kingdom of God. So Lord, I pray that we'd have humble hearts, that we'd have bowed-down worship that that leads to a bowed-down life. And I pray that you would have the weightiest word that deserves our weightiest worship. I pray this in your name, Jesus.